Hi, from Experiment Nation, my name is Romo Santiago, and welcome to Experiment Nation The Conference Reloaded, a series where we share some of the best sessions from our most recent conference. Hi guys, I'm very excited to be speaking with you today. My name is Rishi, and I have been deep in the trenches and the underbelly of conversion optimization for the last 13 years. And some of the things that I've discovered in my journey are very controversial, not controversial, but they are controversial, but they're also very counterintuitive. And I'm actually going to focus in on one of those counterintuitive ideas because you're not you're not at, at this event looking for things that you've heard before said slightly differently. You're looking for truly novel ideas that nobody else is aware of so you can essentially double down and benefit from them. And the controversial idea that I want to discuss today is the incredible importance of focusing your attention on skeptical first-time buyers. It's very difficult for a marketer to know where to focus our attention. And, you know, I'm just going to show some of the things that we focus on. We focus on converting new buyers. We focus on cross-sells. We focus on upsells. We focus on reactivations. The, we focus on word-of-mouth marketing. But these are just four simple examples. I couldn't even fit enough on my slide, but we focus on, you know, um, Facebook advertising. We focus on retargeting. We focus on email marketing. I mean, the list goes on and on. And my controversial recommendation to you is that of all of these things that you could do, you need to be focusing on new buyers. So you want to make sure that 100% of your attention is focused on these new buyers. But more specifically, which is the title of the presentation, I'm arguing that you need to laser focus on skeptical first-time buyers. So let's kind of break this term down to understand what it really means. So the first part of this is skeptical. So my definition of skeptical is someone who comes to my website, is exposed to my sales pitch, and isn't sold, isn't, isn't satisfied with it. Because remember, anyone who's coming to my website who is satisfied and happy with what I'm presenting is going to take the action of buying from me. I'm really interested in, within that group of people that didn't buy, I'm interested in people that are not sold on my sales pitch, right? So if someone doesn't buy because they don't need the product or someone who doesn't buy because they don't intend to buy today anyway, they plan to buy six months from now, well, they're not skeptical. They just, that's just their reality. I am very interested in people that are looking to buy this product that probably will buy it from one of my competitors, but they didn't buy from me because they either heard something that turned them off or didn't hear something that they needed in order to make the purchase. That is my definition of skeptical. But the other term here is first-time buyers. So I'm really focused on someone who has never bought from me before. This is a very unique group of people and they have very different behavior profiles from people that have bought from me before, right? And so you combine these two attributes and you get skeptical first-time buyers. This is the group that I focus on. So I ignore everything else in the universe of marketing to focus in on this group. So what I want you to do is this, just to understand how big this group is, I want you to go to your analytics and see how many visitors to your website are new, right? You're looking specifically, and there's a very simple report in analytics that shows that, right? These are the number of people that are new visitors. Now go back to your analytics and look at the return rate of visitors, right? 
So you'll find an incredibly high number of new, new visitors and an incredibly low number of returning visitors. So what is this telling us? So this is telling us that we have this incredible volume of people that are new to our website, but also that these new visitors, statistically speaking, are very, very likely to never come back to our website. That is the reason why this group is so important. So how do we convert these skeptical first-time buyers? So the first thing to recognize is what is happening in the world around us. So we're living in a world where the consumer has an incredible number of choices. The average consumer is exposed to a thousand ads a day. I, you know, there are a bunch of studies on this. It's actually hard to pinpoint exactly what that right number is, but the answer is it's certainly hundreds of ads a day. Um, so that's what we're dealing with. Now, it's impossible for our brains, can you imagine if you were exposed to 100 ads in a day, let's say it's 100 ads, let's say it's one tenth of that, right? Do you know how difficult it would be for you to actually evaluate the claims being made by that advertiser and look at the merits of that product? It's just not possible, it's ludicrous. Therefore, our consumers, if we don't do it, why would our consumers do it for our brand? It's impossible for them to do that. So what we've learned though, is something really fascinating. So our brains have evolved. They've always been evolved for this, but in the context of online commerce, our brains have been laser focused on very quickly evaluating what what we need, what is credible and what isn't. So we can filter out the noise. The last 13 years, having run hundreds and hundreds of experiments, we have been able to tease out certain very specific elements, which we've experimented with multiple times across multiple different clients, selling multiple varieties of products at different price points. So we know these things to be true. So the nine things that we are, we are the brain uses, so essentially what's happening is that the brain is using a filter to reject things that are irrelevant. Think of it like resume screening, right? If you're screening resumes, you're not actually going through every resume, you're looking for certain keywords or the lack of certain keywords, and then you're rejecting them if it's not a fit. The brain does the same thing, which means as a person who is the applicant, I need to kind of reverse engineer your filter mechanism so I can counteract your filter mechanism, which is exactly what we do with our copywriting approach. So the first thing is that people are skeptical of too good to be true. So that's the filter that the brain uses, which means I need to construct copy in a way that there is no element of my sales page that seems too good to be true, because if that is true, if that's the case, it's gonna get rejected. Second one is that they find expertise sexy. We're living in a hyper-specialized world. I, for example, focus on just product page optimization, which means if a Billion dollar brand comes to me and says, hey, we have a lead capture form. We'd like you to optimize that. I wouldn't. If they say we have our homepage, we'd like you to optimize that. I wouldn't. If they said, you know, we want to optimize our checkout flow, I wouldn't. But if you really think about it, the same principles that I'm applying with conversion copywriting on the product page should apply to the homepage and checkout. And it does. But from a positioning state, from a positioning perspective, right, in terms of how people are expecting me to be an uber specialist, it's beneficial for me to, you know, pick my niche. And the same is true for consumers. Consumers want to buy products that have, that clearly can demonstrate expertise. And so you have to communicate that in your sales pitch. The next thing, and this is, I, I'm 100% positive, you've never seen anyone marketer talk about this, but this is a very deeply buyer psychology principle which is that as consumers, we are, and this is based on 
storytelling techniques. So as a consumer, we are drawn to stories where there was an obstacle and we encountered this obstacle and we overcame the obstacle. It could be an internal obstacle, it could be an external obstacle, but there needs to be some tension, some drama there. You have to inject this in your story. I'm not saying you need to make the stuff. You need stuff up, right? You need to interrogate your, if it's an internal project, then talk to the founder and find out what have we done that was really hard to do that we nearly gave up doing, but we succeeded in. If it's a client, ask them the same question. Businesses improve in many, many different ways and they figure out very complicated things many, many ways. So I'm, that's all you're trying to do is you're trying to find this. So you can, when you are presenting this in your story, that is believable for the buyer. Um, they're fascinated by surprising details. So the idea here is that don't just like make your sales pitch about like talking about what the product does, include really interesting and counterintuitive trivia and facts and figures about the product. So for example, if you are selling an air purifier, inject some really interesting statistics, not common stuff like for example, indoor air quality is worse than outdoor air quality. Maybe that's something a lot of people know. Or for example, that air quality has gotten worse in the last 10 years. Yes, it's kind of an, it is a fact, but it might actually not be very interesting because it's something they may have encountered themselves in other websites. So you're looking for something that is really counterintuitive. For example, in a long-term study of children ages five to 10, what was, this, I'm just making this up, what was discovered was that if uh, bad, bad air quality has significant long-term health impact, something like that, right? That's, that's, une that's unexpected. So what this does is it essentially, it's really beautiful and really powerful because what's happening is you've given them, you've given your buyer free knowledge without them even owning your product. So it's great return on investment for them and also breaks up the copy, right? Because it gives them a burst of energy, which then we can use to have them continue reading the sales pitch. Because what I know as a copywriter is that people that read my entire sales pitch are 10 times as likely to buy from me versus people that read half of my sales pitch. So getting them to the bottom is critical, which means I'm going to in insert at strategic locations, lots of interesting details to get them continue reading. 50% of the brain is devoted to image processing. And what this means is that we are highly visual animals. So what you need to do in your copywriting, certainly you can include some images, that's certainly one way of doing it, but you can actually just using copy evoke images. So you can evoke positive images, negative images, but you want the reader to visualize. The more you can help them visualize, if you're selling a fishing rod, you want to help them visualize standing in a stream of water uh, fly fishing, right? The more real I can make that experience, the the more they're going to visualize that and the deeper my sales pitch is going to get embedded. This is the most important one, um, which is helping them break habits. So imagine if I'm selling a fishing rod to someone who is a fisherman, it's very reasonable to expect. I mean, most people would probably have already got a fishing rod. They're looking to upgrade. Maybe they bought one 10 years ago. They'd Maybe it's kind of broken in some way. They want a better one. But they always have the option of not doing anything, right? The status quo is my biggest enemy. We focus so much on competing options. We miss the point that the biggest competitor is the fact that I just choose to do nothing. And so what you need to do is that even if you were to construct the world's most beautiful sales pitch, if you do not give me a clear path to go from where I am 
to where you want me to be, which is own your product, I'm not going to make that purchase. So how do you give that motivation? What I should mention here is that uh, later in this presentation, I'm going to allow you to scan, if you have a smartphone, uh, scan a smart a QR code, which is going to open up an article on my blog where I actually, in great detail, give multiple examples for each of these nine tactics along with video content. So you can be absolutely certain that I'll cover all of your questions. The next one is they love personalized experiences. So how do we write the sales pitch in a way where the reader feels like, wow, this was made just for me. There are very specific techniques for doing this. Again, use that QR code. They like knowing they've stumbled onto something rare. See, nobody wants to buy a commodity, right? They, we want to buy things that we wouldn't have discovered that if we hadn't clicked on the ad, we want that feeling. Um, it gives us that dopamine hit. We want things that our friends don't have, right? So how do we evoke that feeling? So for example, if I'm selling um, organic premium dog food, I would say something like 1% of Americans buy premium dog food. And what this is doing is it's kind of creating this feeling of exclusivity, which evokes that feeling of I've discovered something that I wouldn't have discovered, right? And then the, finally, we must resolve their negative thoughts. Here's the reality. The reader is going through the sales pitch and as they're going through their sales pitch, while we are working on convincing them to buy a product, their brain is working on convincing them not to spend their hard-earned money. Getting a consumer to part with their money is the most difficult thing in the world. So that our brains have evolved to actually throw up a ton of questions. So what happens is that if the user gets to the bottom of the sales pitch and those questions, those critical questions that remain unanswered, guess what they're gonna do? They're going to delay that purchase. They're gonna say, I'm gonna come back when I have all the information. You saw in the first slide, the return rate for new visitors. So you know that they're not coming back. So we have one shot that we need to convert them with. And so if you focus on these nine things and construct your sales pitch based on those nine things, it's going to increase the likelihood significantly of them buying. So to see those examples, um, just pause the video, uh, scan this with your phone, you'll get access to that article, that it's a super long article, it has examples for each of the nine tactics, you may need examples for some, some may be obvious, so you can scan it however you want. Now is the question of, okay, we've constructed the sales pitch, how do we target these skeptical first-time buyers? So I'm gonna to talk to you about that. So what you're gonna do is you're at, on your website at strategic locations. It could be on the home page. It could be on multiple locations on the product page. It could be on your category pages. It could be um, in your checkout flow. You need to find what those hotspots are for your website. And you need to, at strategic locations, you're adding variations of a link, of a button, a combination of a link and a button. And it's effectively saying something to the effect of like, are you new here? Now don't use that exact same copy for each of the buttons. You want to use different language because different people respond to different things. Um, you know, you can get, you can figure that out, but you want to in inject that across your entire website. You're basically, it's like giving, you're giving smallpox, right? To the whole website, it's these little dots all over the place. We want to have the, a really high discovery rate. When they click on it, we're gonna show them something very specific. But one of the questions you might be having is that, Rishi, if I'm gonna like plaster this message in many, many different subtle ways across my entire website, isn't that damn ugly? More importantly, 
am I not, is it not annoying for the shopper who on the homepage clicked on it, saw the pitch, and then, you know, was really impressed by it, but then they go back, they go to the product page and they see the same button again mentioned four times in the product page. And my solution for that, we have a very simple solution. We actually set, what we do is we define each of these buttons as the same CSS element name. And then we add a rule on the back end that says, if it is clicked, then hide all other references to that call to action. So what we've done is we've maximized visibility while minimizing repetition. So um, let's talk about let's talk about what happens when they click on it. So you know that sales pitch we talked about using those nine elements, right? You're gonna construct a sales pitch. It needs to be in written language. It needs to be very simple written language. Um, and you're gonna show it as a pop-up. It's a simple modal light box, whatever you wanna call it. And when you click on it, it on mobile, it should take your entire screen and you should be able to scroll up and down. Think of it as like a like a magazine article, right? You can inject images to make it interesting. It's a lot of content, but the reason why we're showing it as a pop-up is because I don't want to mess around with your website's design and layout because we don't know if this sales pitch is gonna work. So it's actually more efficient for us to show it as a bunch of piece of content and have them read it and based on how they respond to it, make adjustments to it. So what we want is the discovery rate needs to be around 8%. And we're tracking for two things. We're looking for how many people discovered it, right? So if they, if 1% of people discovered it, well, that's just not high enough for us to conclude if it worked or not. And the second thing you're doing is you're, you're looking at the conversion impact of people that did discover it. So you're setting this up as a classic A-B test. You're doing it as a site-wide test and you're really tracking for two things, discovery rate and conversion impact if the discovery rate is high enough. Now, if the discovery rate is 1%, you need to go back and you need to maybe increase the number of instances with which you are mentioning this call to action, maybe the color code, color you're using for them, maybe the size of it, change the copy. There's a bunch of things you can do. You're a smart marketer, you can figure it out, but you want that discovery rate to be around 8%. So. Continue to tweaking till the recipe is perfect. Now, if you want to see examples and you want to learn more about how we convert skeptical first-time buyers, scan this QR code. This is a different article and I think you'll be blown away. We have tons of case studies as well. So if you go to the blog, you can see case studies where I actually use this exact same formula for ultra successful e-commerce brands. I hope you find this interesting. More importantly, I hope you really, really Start focusing on skeptical first-time buyers. It is your path to riches. Good luck. And if you have any questions, I should also mention, if you have any questions, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. Send me a message. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn um, and we can have a conversation. Cheers.